All right. Um, kids at the tables in the back. Let me talk to you for just a second. As some of you have discovered, there's a big bowl of blocks on your table. There's some Legos back there. Those are there intentionally. They're there for your enjoyment. I have a challenge for you. Here's what I want you to do with those blocks, okay? And, and right now, I know um, there are some people that I won't mention by name, Jared, but you're going to be jealous that you're not back there at the tables building with the blocks. And uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build a house for me, okay? I want you to build a house, and it has to have two stories, and the extra bonus challenge there is build some stairs in that house going up to the second story, okay? And here's why. Because over the last few weeks here, we've been talking about this big house that I have up here on stage. We've been talking about this beautiful, elaborate, colorful house that I've built and <laughs> that Mr. Bob built for me because I couldn't pull this off. Um, and, and we've been talking about this house as the church, and so kids, remember as you're building, the house represents the church. We've been talking about seeing the church as a two-story building. We started out talking about the main level of the church. We talked about the place of the church, the location, the physical location of the church, the facility, all of that. Then we talked about the personality of the church. What is our style? What makes us who we are, makes us unique, sets us apart? We talked about the programs of the church and the things that we do, the services that we provide, the things that we're involved in here as a church. And of course, we talked about the people of the church, how we're connected to a church for all of these reasons, but I think especially because of the people around us. We love each other. We're becoming more and more like a family. Um, that's a reason why we're still a part of this church. These are our brothers and sisters. Then we went on the next week to talk about the purpose of church. And we talked about the upper level. We talked about the upper level representing God's kingdom. We talked about some specific characteristics. Not all of them. That would take ages. But we talked about some specific characteristics of the kingdom and how they exist on this upper level purpose of view that God has of his church. We talked about unity in the church, maturity, power, the power of the gospel. We talked about God's spirit. We talked about leadership. We talked about collaboration within the church and how these kingdom characteristics can influence the main level of the church. We're going to talk more today about what happens when these things influence these things down here, okay? And then last week we talked about the stairs leading up to the second level. How do you climb towards the characteristics of the kingdom and invite them down into the ministry, the day-to-day -day ministry of the church to transform what happens on this level? We talked about prayer, essential. And so you've got uh, through our website, through what I handed out last week, a prayer calendar for March. Um, if you didn't get one last week, go to our website. It's there under resources. You can find the March prayer calendar. We talked about that, the need for us to be praying, not just for the church, but also for ourselves as we work towards drawing these characteristics into the day-to-day -day life of the church. We talked about discipleship as that next step. Where are we going personally and corporately? What are we shooting for? What is the goal of our transformation as the kingdom influences the church, both individually and as a church family? We talked about calling. What is God calling you to in your role in the church and how the church interacts in your life as well and, and responding to that calling? And finally, we talked about surrender. 
about that need for us to be obedient, to surrender our lives, to surrender our time and our resources and our abilities that God has given us, all these things to the process of bringing the kingdom into the life of the church. And so today, we're going to talk about how the characteristics of the kingdom influence the church. What happens when those things influence those four P words at the bottom? How, what happens when the kingdom influences this place? Our personality as a church, our programs, and us as people. And so I want to give you some pictures of what that might look like when that transformation takes place. All right? And so this, this particular message is called the power of the upper room. What can happen when the kingdom influences the main level of the church? I'll give you some pictures. So let's begin by looking at how the kingdom can transform this place, this property, this facility. How does the kingdom influence this place, this location? Listen, God has provided us with a wonderful facility. We have an amazing piece of property. We have an incredible building. God has been very faithful in taking care of us and making, and making this space available to us. So I want to talk to you about that. It's, it, he's provided it for our use. Let me talk to you about some of the things that happen here in this place, all right? Obviously, we have our Sunday morning services. That happens. We have things going on downstairs on a regular basis with our kids. The, the nursery is active. We've got this facility to use. And every Sunday, on, in the morning in particular, this place is full of people and there's all kinds of things happening. That's been provided for us by God. Sunday evenings, the youth are in here and they now have the whole space. They've got the whole building to uh, run wild and, and, and have a lot of fun together here in this space. They use this room, they use classrooms, they're, they're all over. That happens here on Sunday evenings. On Wednesday evenings, we have a community meal that happens here, and there's a great time of fellowship around that. Our kids' clubs happen here all throughout the building on Wednesday evening. Uh, our youth group has a couple of a few Bible studies that go on here on Wednesday evenings as well. God's provided this space for that. There are all kinds of Bible studies that happen here. Home groups meet here. Adventure game community meets here. Weddings happen here. Funerals, baby showers, all kinds of different events, and I'll talk more about some of the other ones, happen here. Now, through the influence of the upper room on the main, the main level of the church, unity is built through our gatherings that happen here in this place. Maturity happens as we grow together here. The power of the gospel is preached in this place. The spirit is present here. You've got to remember that. Right here, right now, in this very moment, God's spirit is filling this room. That's not a small thing. Leaders lead by serving in this place. Collabor collaboration happens in the conversations and interactions that take place here in this place. But this place has all kinds of potential to be used for more than just us and our benefit. Some other ways that this place is used include these. Children's praise and rainbows. Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. This place is filled with kids um, as, that are part of a Parents' Day Out program. They come here from all over the community. 
and they learn about Jesus, and they're led by some phenomenal teachers, and it is great. The place is full of energy and noise, and, and these kids just are great. We have an Egan's Moms group, that Egan Moms group that meets here in this place. We have the, on Monday evenings, we have the Minnesota Valley Women's Chorale that meets in this room, and they practice, and they fill this room with song. We have music recitals that happen here. VBS happens here every summer. Are you starting to think about VBS yet? That is exciting. And we've, we've had the, uh, the privilege of watching God answer a big prayer regarding VBS because we've, we've learned, um, particularly last year, we learned how much we can use this space outside here. And last year, if you remember, we had this back lot filled with four tents and it was great. And we got this great deal on the tents and then that company got sold off and we were starting to get these bids that were like four times what we paid last year for tents. Um, and it was getting a little bit out of hand. And um, lo and behold, God answered a prayer and the owners of that company uh, agreed to honor our rate from last year. And now we can have these big tents in the back again. It's fantastic. Uh, other things that happen here. We have quarterly blood drives that happen right here in this room. And it is a beautiful thing because the community knows this now as a place where you can donate blood. And those spots, every time we're doing it now, are filling up. This space is very effective, and God's using that. We have events that are connected to the park right over here that happen here. Uh, whenever they have races, off-road races down here, um, they use our parking, our parking lot for parking, and they fill the entire thing. Even back here, which we hardly ever use, is filled with cars. And last year, uh, there was a celebration of Somali Independence Day at this park down here. And instead of their estimated 300 people, they had over 1,000 people come. And our parking lot got crazy. Um, we had them parking everywhere, absolutely everywhere, and then well beyond that. Um, but it was a great way to serve the community. Uh, elections happen here. This is a, a voting station for a lot of people. Um, our neighbors... Our neighbors use this space. Um, I've had conversations with a neighbor right out here um, who, who has asked very politely if they can use that basketball hoop out in the parking lot. And so that's led to some great conversations. And he's even said, um, just so you know, he said, I'm, I'm kind of keeping an eye on the place. If I ever see anything suspicious going on here, I'll let you know. And it's just a great connection we've had. Um, our neighbors cut through our parking lot and our property here to go snowshoeing back out here. Um, they also use this place to have pictures taken back in this field, this meadow back here. And so they come in and park here and, and help themselves into the, the back property here. Now, our task is to invite the influence of the kingdom in this place. Ask God to use this facility for his purpose. He blessed us with it. Let's ask him to make this a place of blessing for many, many more in our community. Pray for ongoing transformation of this place. God has given it to us as a blessing. Let's use it to bless others. Okay, next question. How does the kingdom transform our personality? The kingdom's influence has transformed us into a welcoming community. I hear that again and again. We have a unique personality. We're not too big and we're not too small. We're not too showy, but we're not too low budget, except for maybe the visuals that I use. We have a good level of engagement in worship. We're not just spectators watching a show. We're authentic. That transformation is always taking place here at Chapel Hill Church. 
So what can we be praying for regarding the kingdom's influence on our personality? What do we want to see? There are two pictures of transformation on my heart as I've been thinking about this church and this series. Uh, We looked at leadership a couple of weeks ago. I've thought a lot about this recently. When the kingdom influences an institution like this church, leadership is impacted. Leadership in our culture is largely ambition-based. Not all. There are some great changes taking place in corporate leadership and in the leadership in general in our culture, but it is still largely ambition-based. But in the church, the kingdom transforms ambition into compassion. Leadership is no longer about building myself up. It's about building others up. And so that transformation takes place. The church becomes a community where leaders are known as those who give more than they take. Humility replaces the need for recognition, power, authority, status. Working our way up the ladder is replaced by taking the lowest place. And honestly, church, one of my favorite things about our staff, the people that I get to work with, is that there are no glory grabbers on our staff. Others come first. And for them, behind the scenes is perfectly fine when their focus is building others up. And it is a privilege to work with a team like that. I believe that God can use this to point people to the kingdom. This kind of compassion is something that the world wants to see. Jesus spent a lot of his time combating the impact of cultural ambition on his disciples and showing them how it's replaced by compassion in the kingdom. Let's pray together for this across the board in the personality of Chapel Hill Church. Second thing that I've been considering regarding our personality is the influence that the kingdom can have when it transforms cherries into cherry trees. Let me explain that. We talked about maturity as an influence the kingdom has on the day-to-day life of this church. From the very start of his journey with his disciples, Jesus let them know that he was leading them somewhere. This was all going somewhere. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men, he said to some fishermen. He had a goal in mind. When he left them, Jesus told them to make disciples as he had been doing while he was with them. All along, his goal was to plant the seed of the gospel in those he called, water those seeds, and watch those seeds develop into multiplying, fruit-bearing trees. That's the process of maturity. That's what he wants to do in our lives individually and as a church. He wants to see that happen. All right, kids, let me interrupt your building for a minute back there. On your table, beside your Lego blocks, there are also little cups and little crackers. And I want to explain something about those two. So look at those right now. Look at what's back there. Church, we're going to share communion here in a little while together. And what I want you to think about right now is this. The bread and the cup are both products of, initially, a seed. A seed was planted And now there's all kinds of different ways this stuff is produced. But you think about the bread in particular. A seed is planted. That seed grows up. It multiplies, produces lots and lots of seeds. And eventually you get a harvest of wheat that's turned into bread. Same thing with the juice. Began with a seed a long time ago. 
now they're grafting vines and doing all this kind of, all this different stuff. And we have seedless grapes that we're eating. And so it can't be that way, right? But it all started with a seed. Seed grew, produced a vine. The vine produced fruit. And now we have juice. We have the product of that. And so when you think about those things on the table back there, the, the cracker and, and the juice, think about the fact that from the seed, there's multiplication. Things are produced. You get a harvest out of that. And there are products that come from that. There's something that happens, a major impact that happens. And so, church, as we go to communion today, I want you to keep that in mind. This began, these objects began with a seed. Think back to Jesus mentioning the fact that in order for a kernel of wheat to produce more wheat, which turns into flour, that kernel has to fall to the ground and die. And from that, this multiplication happens. This incredible thing happens. That's our maturing process. We die to self and we grow into people that multiply, that produce a harvest in so many ways. We grow in this church. We gain knowledge and understanding. We mature spiritually and intellectually and emotionally. We gain stability in our faith so that we're not getting bounced around by every religious thought that someone puts on the internet. We're on a journey that reflects Jesus' journey. That journey results in us dying to our old immature selves, growing into disciples of Jesus who make other disciples. And this happens both inside the church and outside the church. Our prayer for this church certainly should include a prayer that we all grow into mature, clear reflections of Jesus in every way. That's the personality that we're looking for as a church. Okay, well, how does the kingdom then transform our programs? Our programs are designed to facilitate growth and maturity. And let me talk about our family ministry for a while. It's, there's a very intentional effort around our family ministry. And so parents back there at the tables, there is an information sheet on your table there that's for you as well. There are lots of worksheets for your kids. There's one there for you as well. And it talks about our family ministry and the milestones that we have in place that we shoot for as a ministry that address different points of growth for your kids all the way along. Those are explained on that sheet. If you haven't seen this before, take a look at it. We want to see our kids grow up to own their faith, to know and reflect Jesus, and to be well prepared for the life that's ahead of them. There is very much a kingdom purpose to our family ministry and to other ministries in this church. Now let me broaden this to include all of our ministries. As the kingdom influences our programs, transformation happens. Here are a couple types of transformation we can be praying for and contributing to. We need to pray that the kingdom transforms consumers into creators through our programs. As we work to create opportunities for the church by establishing our programs here, our goal is certainly to bless you. We want you to receive spiritual, emotional, relational equipping and encouragement through the programs of this church. But sometimes we need to set our sights a little higher, a little further into the future. When I receive the blessing of a community gathering and time of fellowship like we do here on Sunday mornings and otherwise, I need to pray that the blessing I receive will be reciprocated by me. 
It should inspire me to offer that kind of blessing to someone else, someone else from this church or someone else from outside this church family, in my community. I need to pass this blessing along. So when I set out to create a program to bless this church, I have to factor in the need to inspire and equip those I bless to be a blessing to others and to collaborate with others from the church family to create ways to bless others. Let's pray for this and work toward this. How do we pass on the blessings of our programs to the other people in our lives? Another type of transformation that I'm praying for is the, the kind of transformation that turns members into missionaries. A church that's heavily influenced by the kingdom becomes a church that sees themselves as missionaries. And their local church takes on new meaning and purpose because of that. These are, there are indicators that this is happening, many of which are visible here in Chapel Hill Church right now, but many more that provide us with opportunities to grow, to be transformed in this area. This kind of transformation begins in the minds and hearts of each member of this church family. It happens when I think like a missionary. I constantly face the challenge of seeing myself as a missionary to those who gather here and to those I live among. My mindset has to be that for everyone. Everyone I meet needs Jesus in some way or another. For some, even if they're followers of Jesus already and maybe have been for a long time, they may need reminders about their true identity in Christ. For some, it's a reminder of all that God has to meet their daily needs. For some, it may be as simple as affirming, affirming for them that they belong to an eternal family who loves and supports them. They're not alone. My mind has to be on my community. I'm called to see my neighborhood, my soccer communities through the teams that my boys play for, my boys' school, the people that I interact with at the stores, restaurants, and gathering places that I frequent as a mission field that is ripe for the harvest. As I bring that mindset into this place, and you bring the same mindset when you come, we grow together in becoming whole life missionaries to the people around us, equipped with the power and message of the gospel to have a deep impact in every area of our lives. This is the purpose of a kingdom-centered church. Our vision and mission as a church become our reason for being here and for being everywhere that we're at. And church, this takes all of us, not just me as the pastor, not just the staff. I daily face the challenge of being maintenance-minded rather than mission-minded. And I, I covet your prayers in this. What I'm growing in right now and I'm committed to growing in in the days ahead is engaging with more and more of you and carrying out the vision and the mission of this church and doing it together. Our vision is a vision for all of us. All of us desire to see this generation move from culture to kingdom. Every one of us can see the impact our culture's having on the people around us and on ourselves all of us desire to see the people around us enter into a flourishing, contagious relationship with Jesus Christ. What, I need to, what we need to work on, all of us, is how to do this together. 
and how to encourage and inspire each other in the mission. Let me give you a very simple picture of what can happen. There are considerably more than 100 people who call Chapel Hill their church family, but we're going to work with an easy number like 100, because I'm not very good at math, and I'll explain how that went in just a minute here. If in the next five years, 100 Chapel Hill church people were instrumental in impacting the lives of one person each, guiding them to Jesus, just imagine the impact of that. But... Imagine that happening each year. A hundred people led to Jesus through the people of Chapel Hill Church each year for the next five years. That's 500 people that having caught the vision that God's given us will also go and point one person each to Jesus for the next five years. Think about that. Think about the impact. In five years, 500 people have been reached and called to reach five more each church that's 3,000 people. 3,000 people. And <laughs> I did the math first, the first shot I took at this in my head. I had to go back and delete it and put the correct number in. I came up with 250,000. <laughs> it, was, it was quite a humbling moment. I'm like, no, there's no way. No, there isn't any way. That's just bad math unless we inspire some really cool people to reach 500 people each. 3,000 people added to the kingdom because a little church like Chapel Hill saw themselves as missionaries. That's the kind of movement that just isn't seen here, where there are very few obstacles standing in the way of the gospel. And yes, I'm aware that all this sounds a little bit head in the clouds, naive. It sounds like a numbers-based fairy tale that could never actually be realized. But I guarantee you that it's God's enemy putting that thought in our heads. This kind of impact is well within God's abilities. A missionary mindset remembers that Jesus started with 12. The 12 became 72. The 72 became 120. The 120 lit a fire that drew thousands into the kingdom every day. Why would we ever think that anything is far-fetched and unrealistic for us? So let's start here. Every one of us knows five people that need Jesus. And I'm inviting us to start on our knees. And I want to challenge you to do something practical right now and in the days ahead. Every week, you know this, every week we invite you to share with us something to pray for. We use the connection card in the bulletin for this. We point people to our website to share these things. And right now, for some reason that we really honestly can't figure out, that resource isn't being used very much. We pray, and people put their prayer requests in, and we pray faithfully for what happens there. But we've always got much, much more room through that type of connection, through that resource. So here's my challenge then. Church, give us five names. Give us five names. And it can be just five first names because God knows exactly who you're talking about. But invite the church to pray for the lives of five people that you know that need Jesus. It's as simple as that. I will give you five names of people in my life to pray for. 
I'm inviting you each to give us five as well. And together we will pray for five people from each other's lives. These are simple prayers. But the power of the gospel is standing by, waiting to be unleashed in the lives of the people around us. The least and the best thing that we can do is to pray for each other's five. Let's use the program that is our prayer ministry to advance God's kingdom in the world. I've already touched on some of the ways that transformation can happen among the people of this church. Let's close with that. Let me give you just two more pictures of what can happen as the kingdom influences the people of Chapel Hill Church. We've talked about transformation of this place, of our personality, of our programs, and now let's dream about us as people. In a group of people that shares the same vision and mission for what God's calling us to as a church, amazing things can happen. We can become more than merely a social gathering, and we've seen this transformation taking place throughout our history as a church. Now let's pray more intentionally for this to happen. And what's on my heart right now for us as a church is that God transforms us more and more from a community into a family. I've said a lot about unity over the last year or so. That continues to be my prayer for us. I won't say a lot about it today. Just remember that Jesus gave us the vision of an eternal family bound together by his spirit. It is his desire. It's Jesus' prayer. And it's one of the hardest things to accomplish in this day and age when division has become a very strong characteristic, strong theme in our culture. God's family cannot be divided, but that's exactly what the enemy wants. So just pray without ceasing, church, that we become one the way that Jesus desires us to become one. Pray that you personally see the people around you in this church as family, as brothers and sisters in the best possible sense of those words. Let's see each other, speak to each other, prioritize each other, serve each other, and care for each other as family. Final picture that I want to give you this morning is simply a reminder of what God does. It's something that I've also stated before that deserves another mention. When the kingdom influences the people of a church, these ordinary people become extraordinary people. This is the work of God's spirit in our midst. A group of people gathered in a specific physical place sharing a common personality, creating and receiving meaningful programs, move together in the direction of being set apart as something and someone truly extraordinary. And the credit for this is given to the work of God's Spirit in our midst. Church, let's invite the Spirit to continue what He started in us, continually producing His fruit in our lives. I've heard this Very factor referred to as the it factor in the church. Is the spirit present and working in the church? In Chapel Hill, we have it. How does ambition become compassion? How do cherries become cherry trees? 
How do consumers become creators? How do members become missionaries? How does a community become a family? How do ordinary people become extraordinary? It all happens because of the same power source at work in us. And that source is God's Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite our worship team to come up now as we prepare to have communion together. As we talk about the church and God's work in the church, I think it's critical that we remember something about ourselves. One of the things that Jesus brought with him in his mission to this world was the removal of an obstacle that was pretty intimidating before Jesus came. Before Jesus, the kingdom would have been off limits for me because I'm a Gentile. Through Jesus, the kingdom doors opened and I was invited to join that kingdom. Adoption for me into God's family became a possibility. And not only that, I went from being outside the kingdom walls looking in to being so close to God that he took up residence in me by his spirit. This is one of many things that happened through the work of Jesus on the cross. We have an awful lot to be thankful for, church. God is at work in us. Our place in the kingdom was purchased for a high price by the Father through his Son. Thank him for that as you come to the table today. And remember as you come that even in these elements, this started with a seed. And that seed, Jesus Christ, was willing to fall into the soil and die so that the gospel, gospel would take off all over the world and reach you and me. In the next little while here, we're going to sing together, and um, during that time, I invite you to come and take the elements, the cup, and the cracker up front here. You can take those with you back to your seat. You can meet as a family, a couple, just on your own, wherever you want to, wherever you want to remember and celebrate communion. Back at the tables in the back, the elements are right there, as I've said, on your table. Go ahead and share those with each other and partake together. Church, again, give thanks to God for all he's done as you come. We do this because a very high price was paid. It was paid for you and for me as individuals. It was paid for us as a church. It was paid so that we can now enter into the presence of God. And as we come before God right now to share communion together as his unified family, we come with confidence because God made this possible through what Jesus Christ did on the cross on our behalf. Let's pray together and then we will partake together. Father, I thank you that you are very much at work in your church, in your family. I thank you for what you've done, what you are doing right now, what you are going to do. Thank you for the transformation that has been taking place in us, and you know that my prayer is simply to finish what you started. Thank you for all that you've done for us here, for the place you've provided for us, for the personality that you've created here for the programs that you have led us to create and participate in and multiply for every life that you've brought here. And I ask in the days ahead that you would just continue to transform us, continue to bring your kingdom into our midst. 
and shape us into the church that you desire us to be. I ask that you would help us to fulfill the vision that you've given us. Help us to carry out the mission that you've put in front of us. Keep doing that transformation work. God, this morning we come to the table again, remembering with gratitude all that's been done for us so that we can stand before you right now with confidence as your children and citizens of your kingdom, standing before the creator of the universe who lives in us, ready again to receive the blessing that comes through the ultimate sacrifice that was made, the price that was paid, the ransom that was paid to buy our freedom, the blood that was shed to restore us, to forgive us, to make us clean. Thank you that in the elements, we see what happens when one kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies. We see a world filled with your followers. Certainly not as many as we'd like to see, but God, we know you're at work drawing people to yourself. We see your power at work in our lives. We know that we can invite your power into our lives. And we think this morning of Herb Gladen and the power that we want to call into his life to bring healing and restoration and peace. God, we put each of ourselves in front of you as those who need, need the power that comes through your Spirit's work in us. Will you do that work, Father? You carry on what you've started in our midst. As we come now, I ask that you would receive our thanksgiving, our humility, our surrender, our willingness to die to ourselves and be used by you to carry out your mission. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that we pray.